Don't want things to squeak when I turn on the lapel mic here. Turn in your Bibles once again to the book of Ephesians. We're going to slow down just a little bit here uh, because uh, we're going to be rather disjointed. And one thing I forgot, I checked with most uh, uh, everyone that was here early um, if next, uh, now I'm going to look at it wrong. The week, Thanksgiving week, that is two weeks from tonight, uh, is Thanksgiving Day. We would move that service from Tuesday night to Wednesday night. We'll put it in the bulletin on Sunday, and it'll be in the bulletin the following Sunday before we do that. Uh, normally, we've done Tuesday night, but it would just be uh, very advantageous if we could, uh, to me personally, if we could move that to Wednesday. And if there's any question, please see me after the service. It's not not 100% set in stone, but uh, would would be very helpful if we could do that. So uh, let's uh, get back into the Bible study at this point. And we are Ephesians chapter 4, and we're just going to read the first three verses here. Uh, it says, I, therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that ye walk worthy of the vocation wherewith ye are called, with all lowliness and meekness, with longsuffering, forbearing one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace." Now, if you'll note, if you did notice, if you didn't, I will call your attention to it. The New Baptist Times, Global Independent Baptist Times, have come in, and it is dealing with offenses in the church. And I thought, wow, that is incredibly uh, uh, apropos to tonight's message. Did you notice what Paul said here in verse two? With all lowliness and meekness, with long-suffering, forbearing one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. This almost sounds like Paul was expecting difficulties in relationships in the church. Now, does that shock anybody? Uh, It shouldn't. Uh, As human beings... uh, uh, one of the jokes when I was in Bible college is if you can get three Baptist preachers in the same room, you'll have five opinions on any given subject. Uh, but uh, I, I don't think that's limited to Baptist preachers, especially in the day of the blogs. And you just look at our politicians. Uh, we have uh, Joe Biden on tape uh, boasting that he held withheld funding to the Ukraine to get them to do things, and now they're trying to impeach the president for doing the same thing Mr. Biden boasted about a couple of years ago when he was actually serving as the vice president. He even said, I get all the fun jobs. And uh, so I'm sitting there going, wow, where does this come from? Uh, It comes from the human heart. And just because you get saved... That old sinful you is not yet eradicated. And so, as we look at these verses, we have to understand a few things. Paul says, I, 
therefore. Anytime you see therefore, wherefore, because of, you know that Paul or the author of the passage here is making a solid and complete connection to the preceding thought. That uh, uh, without that preceding thought, the present thought cannot be understood correctly. So let's go back and just very quickly review the preceding, the immediate, immediately preceding thought starts in verse uh, 14. He says, for this cause I bow my knees. Now, what's this cause? That they would faint not. Verse 13, wherefore I desire that ye faint not at my tribulations for you, which is your glory. For this cause I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might by his Spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that ye, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth and length and depth and height, and to know the love of Christ, which passeth knowledge, that ye might be filled with all the fullness of God. Now unto him that is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that worketh in us, unto him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages, world without end. And all God's people said, Paul is praying. And, and I mean, we could just keep going back. Paul was one of those guys that, I mean, the book of Ephesians is almost one complete run-on sentence. I mean, all six chapters. He is just uh, uh, ladling it out. And every phrase has got something in it. And, and we've been moving here very rapidly to get the bigger picture of what Paul is trying to do. In chapter 1, he's telling us that God has promised to change us, to make us what he needs us to be. Chapter 2 is how wonderful a salvation God provides for us. Chapter 3 is the mystery of the gospel. How the God would take us who are Gentiles, who are not Jewish in our heritage, and put us into the same body with the physical descendants of Abraham. We do not replace the Jew. We now serve together Jew and Gentile in one body. And that truly is a mystery. How that works, the only way we know is God said so. So we believe it. And then he prays. He said, listen, if Christ is going to dwell in you, you must be strengthened in the inner man. Uh, I don't know how many of you have ever handled caustics, uh, like battery acid, sulfuric acid, uh, hydrochloric, uh, these mostly acids or draino, lye. Uh, do not ever, ever pour draino out into your hand. Don't Just don't do it. You won't have much of a hand left. If there's any moisture at all, it will interact with that and just literally dissolve your flesh. Uh, if you're going to work with chemicals like this, you must 
uh, absolutely must wear protective clothing. Well, I want to ask you, what is more powerful than the Lord Jesus Christ? I mean, if it were but a hot pot you were carrying around, wouldn't you want some type of protection for your hand? Just because of the heat of the, of the pan or pot sitting on the stove, uh, you would want to be very careful about that. I'll, I'll tell you, we did, uh, you all did a fabulous job for the international missions dinner. And I always get nervous with the little ones running up and down both sides of that table. You got the sternos and all that boiling water and hot food. And, and, and uh, the Lord, uh, once again, protected us. Amen. But if you were to take the Lord Jesus Christ, stop and think about this living inside you. I mean, that is a terrifying thought, is it not? The only way that's going to work is you must be strengthened in the inner man by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the crucible that protects us from the power of Jesus Christ, and yet lets him influence and direct our lives all at the same time. Uh, this is a, a wonderful and, and very true thought, and God wants to strengthen us so that Jesus Christ can dwell in us, so that he can control us. Uh, it, it's not, it shouldn't be shocking to anyone of us in here that the things that Christ wants in our life just might not be the same things that we would want in our life. I often uh, try to illustrate it this way. Your wanter's busted. It needs to be fixed. The things that we want are not the things that God wants. And if Christ is going to dwell in us by faith, that's how we are rooted and grounded in love. That's how we can understand. We can comprehend. We begin to Look beyond this world in which we live and grasp the greatness of God's love. I'll tell you, there's not a problem in your life that could not be solved by the proper understanding of how much love God has for you. Uh, honestly, uh, I was just didn't get a chance to read thoroughly, but I was going through some of those articles just very summarily. I would encourage every family, take a copy of the Baptist Times. I mean, they are writing to the very heart uh, of many of the struggles that we have in Christianity. And what this passage here is talking about, it says in verse 19, "...to know the love of Christ which patheth knowledge..." that ye might be filled with all the fullness of God. Now, I wish we had time to just... God wants people to be able to understand that He exists by looking at us. That's what witnessing is all about. It's one of the reasons our witness is so ineffective is because people see us. They don't see the Lord. Uh, that the, all that fullness could dwell in us. Now, verse 20, if you have any doubts, God is the one that's able to do this. And if he doesn't do it, you're not going to. Why? Because we want to glorify Jesus Christ in the church 
as long as there's a church. We want to glorify Jesus Christ. And because of that, Paul is using every ounce of leverage he can. Again, he is using this word, I beseech you. But he's saying, it's me. Now, do you remember uh, reading about Paul in the book of Acts with the Ephesian church? He spent three years there. And then he came back as he was heading to Jerusalem at the end of that journey. And, and he said, I'm not going to see you in the flesh ever again. And they wept because the, the elders of the Ephesian church, because they wanted to see Paul. And Paul is writing them a letter from prison here. And he's saying, I, therefore, the prisoner of the Lord. I mean, Paul was trying to yank those chains of compassion. He said, listen, it's me, Paul. I'm the guy that led you to the Lord. I'm the guy that spent that time with you. I'm, I'm the man that you would have, uh, that you wanted to be in your presence. You didn't want me to leave. I didn't want to leave. But here I am and now I'm in prison. I want you I want you to understand that what I'm talking about here, these next few words, are of the utmost importance. That you do not have a choice here. That you, if you don't get anything else in the book, you've got to get this. This is what Paul's doing. And here is the plea. He's going to have several of them between here and the end of the book of Ephesians. Paul has laid the groundwork. He has set the foundation here. It is God that has saved us. It is the work of Jesus Christ. It is not by works, lest any man should boast. He has changed who we are and what we are. He has made us accepted in the beloved. It is the mystery of all ages how that we as Gentiles should be able to serve Jesus Christ right along with His chosen people now I want you to walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you are called. Now often, this passage when it is preached is limited to preachers and missionaries and what we would might say full-time Christian workers. Now, uh, we do not have time to explore this tonight, but... Uh, we have been through our Bible. God did call Moses very specifically. He did call the Apostle Paul. And we believe the Lord is still calling individuals. Um, he called Brother Franz to pastor in Morris Park. And now Andrew is out in, in, in Riverhead. And they had to demonstrate their calling to the preachers that were here for their ordination. But Paul is not qualifying this. He's not saying this is just for preachers. Now, I do want you, I, I do believe that God has a specific calling for preachers and missionaries. But, he's saying, I beseech you. He's talking about the church at Ephesus. And he's asking each member of that church to walk worthy of the vocation wherewith ye are called. Now, we believe that God has a plan. That God has a planned usage for each and every life. 
that your life is not by accident. Uh, I've heard preachers preach that uh, God's will is not as complicated as you can make it. You could choose one of several paths and, and still serve God with your life. Now, I want to ask you a question. How much of a choice has God given us about the Bible? Uh, there's only one if you speak English. That's this one. How much choice has he given us about the church? Uh, Jesus didn't start 45 different churches. Men started those things. They're not true churches. Jesus only started one church. Uh, how many ways are there to get saved? Uh, well, there's only one. Well, then, why would there be 20 different people you could marry and still be in the will of the Lord? That goes contrary to everything else in Scripture. And it's like I tell my children and anybody I counsel concerning the subject, uh, there's not going to be a line, my friend. Uh, if you can find one, Count yourself worthy and, and, and fortunate. But I will tell you this, and, and we need to not everyone has that gift or that calling. This is what he's talking about. To walk worthy of the vocation. Now, that's an interesting word. How many of you attended Votech? Anybody even know what that is? I don't think they call it uh, vocational training. You have... Uh, um, Aviation High School here and several different high schools that will teach you different trades. Um, and normally that's what we think. But I, I want to read you the Oxford English Dictionary. One of the reasons I use it is every time I use it, I get a pleasant surprise. Just about. Uh, definition 1A. The action on the part of God calling a person to exercise some special function, especially of a spiritual nature, or to fill a certain position, divine influence or guidance towards a definite career. The fact of being so called or directed toward a special work in life, natural tendency to or fitness for such work. That This is not a theological dictionary. That's out of the Oxford English Dictionary, the first definition of this word is the calling and preparation of the work, the calling and preparation work of God in the life of individual for a particular duty that God has called them to do. It sounds like they were reading Ephesians chapter 4 here, doesn't it? You see... Definition number two, the particular function or station to which a person is called by God. This is, this is amazing, is it not? I mean, when you think of vocation, a mode of life or sphere of, sphere of action regarded as so determined. And then definition B under two is one's ordinary occupation, business, or profession. Now, we have limited this word in modern English usage to point B of the second definition. Your normal occupation. What is your day job? Um, for the last, oh, 20 years, I've been helping with the uh, election process in New York City. Uh, 
And so often as we're going through today, we're talking back and forth. And, and I said, well, here's my day job. And I give him a gospel track. And, uh, uh, oh, oh, you're a preacher. Yes, yes, I'm the pastor of the church. And uh, do get to witness to quite a few people that way. But a vocation, the, a word, is a specific divine pattern for which God has prepared you to fulfill with your life. This is how we're builded together. We're going to be talking about that. It's going to give us more definition as we go through the chapter. But right now, Paul is saying, each one of us in this room, we have a vocation. We have a calling. We have a work of preparation that is going on in our lives through the Spirit of God so that we may fulfill our part in the body of Christ. And it says here that we are to walk worthy of that calling. I mean, how many times has it been said? Uh, to public officials, you've broken the trust that was given to you. Uh, when a uh, uh, several years ago, you'll remember some of you remember the dirty thirty, thirty police officers that were using their badge and their influence to operate all manner of vice and wickedness in that city, and they said that that is not worthy of the. Uh, 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 Fulfilling the duties of police officers, they've broken their trust. Of course, we can think of a president in somewhat recent history that his entire presidency was about that breach of trust. And he seemingly got away with it by saying, I didn't do anything wrong. And, uh, uh, well, he'll stand before the ultimate judge. But before we get too judgmental on Mr. Clinton and... Uh, rogue uh, officials and different people who have breached uh, the trust that was given them. We, we need to just take an evening here. That's what this lesson is about. And examine, are we walking worthy of the calling that God has given us as Christians? As servants, are we fulfilling that duty, that place that he has called us to serve in his body, which is the local church, which is the fullness of him that filleth all in all. We'll go back to chapter 2. And, uh, and so as we look at this, Paul is explaining, I want you to walk worthy of this vocation. That word means a calling of God, a fitness for duty, uh, a direction by uh, God to a specific place of service. Here's how it's done. With all lowliness. Now, do I need to explain the word lowliness? How that works? Uh, these articles in the thing are on offenses. You know why we get offended? Because somebody stepped on your toes. Somebody... 
roughed your fur the wrong way. And, and now you have been offended. Uh, wait a minute. Lowliness. What's lowliness? It's not walking around saying, I deserve it. That, that's foolishness. What it is, is understanding that it's not my job to make other people do right. Do you know, that works with driving. Can you stop the, uh, the only word that comes to mind? I'm sorry, it's a harsh word, idiot. That means an IQ of under 60. Uh, that drive down uh, these little roads of ours at 80 to 100 miles an hour. Uh, we were driving to the election last Tuesday, Hannah and I, at 4.30 in the morning on Steinway Street. And a car passed us at over 80 miles an hour on Steinway Street. You know what? I can't stop that kind of... Uh, there, there is no pleasant word that describes that kind of behavior. It is without reason. It's without excuse. Uh, it's without anything except uh, arrogant pride is the only word that comes. Selfishness. Um, but how, how do I protect myself from such foolish people? By constantly watching my mirrors. And when I see a, uh, a fast-moving light moving up in my mirror, I move over to the right and I slow down. I don't try to take my rightful spot in the lane. You know why? Because I don't want that crazy person from killing me or my daughter. Loneliness. How many of you have had someone push you out of the way to stand in front of you in line somewhere? I mean, that is welcome to New York, isn't it? Well, wait a minute. I don't go around saying I deserve to be pushed and I deserve for somebody to take my spot in the line. But you know what? God says he's going to take care of of every sin that is ever sinned. Am I going to do God's job or am I going to let God do God's job? Well, that's loneliness. That's how it works. Meekness. Now, you're not going to find this definition in the dictionary. This is a biblically generated definition. Moses was the meekest man above all men that dwelt on the earth. The Bible tells us that. You know who Moses was depending on? God. Whose direction was he operating under? God's. It was God that told him to stick his finger in Pharaoh's face and say, let my people go. It was God that told him to stretch out the rod over the Red Sea. Do you remember his attitude? The Lord said, wherefore criest thou unto me? Moses was telling the children of Israel, hold your peace. And he was crying out in his heart to God, what in the world are we going to do? And God said, listen, I'm not upset. I'm not late. I know everything I want to have happen here and how it's all going to turn out. Moses, just put your rod out and divide the sea. Now, that's a whole lot easier said than done, is it not? 
But Moses obeyed God and this Red Sea opened up and made a dry path for the children of Israel to go across. Meekness. Operating under the authority of another. You know, 90% of all conflicts you will face in this life have to deal with that one little word, do they not? Authority. Who do you think you are telling me what to do? Uh, Excuse me. God is your creator. He has the right to tell you everything. Amen? And so... It says here, with, low, with all lowliness and meekness, with long-suffering. Do I need to explain long-suffering? That's what happens when two people decide they're going to get along with each other. Is you learn to put up with one another. Amen? That's what ought to happen in a church. That we ought to be very careful about our attitudes toward others that we sit in church with. You know, if we'll get this idea of long-suffering, it, it will be just like a glue that will attract other people in and give them something that will hold on to them and make them members uh, of the church eventually. Forbearing one another in love. There's only one way that works. It's not that, oh, I just have such wonderful feelings about you. I could put up with anything. That's, that's not even honest. But can I love God enough who valued my soul, the worth of his eternal son, To forbear another soul that God has valued the same way that we could walk along the pathway together without trying to correct each other all the time. Forbearing one another in love. Now, honestly, this this is not talking about excusing wrong deeds. We, We haven't gone over this very much, but... If you see a person who is a member of this church walking out of a store with a six-pack of beer, uh, it is not time for you to say, oh, I'm just going to forbear them in love. You, You need to come to me as the pastor. I can't watch everybody. I'm not going to watch everybody. But that person needs to be spoken to because they are taking the testimony of our church. And selling it with the sins of this world. You can't do that. How is that forbearing someone in love? Well, wait a minute. Let's go back. Who is love? God is love. Does God want his children behaving in that way? It's not a judgmental, hateful thing. Uh, I believe I can honestly say I have walked into this pulpit ever since I was the pastor, and never once have I come in with someone's name in my notes. I am going to get this person. I know preachers do that. I can't. 
I, I've been very careful. Now, I've been, I will tell you this, I've been halfway through a sermon and say, oh my, uh, what am I saying here? Somebody is, is, might take this, well, uh, this wasn't intentional, I had no thoughts about this, uh, I'm just going to keep moving forward because we've got to get through what the Bible says, regardless of whether it offends someone or not. Had to pull on that one a little hard now, didn't I? But that is forbearing one another in love, is it not? Because you cannot have the love of Jesus in your heart if you don't have obedience to the Word in your heart. You see, it says, with all lowliness and meekness, with long-suffering, forbearing one another in love, endeavoring, that's an interesting word, to strive, try, exert oneself, or to direct one's efforts. To try, make an effort for a specified object. To attempt strenuously. I, I will tell you, we endeavored to fix the stained glass window uh, at Union Baptist Church. I'm still working out some of the pools and strains and uh, different things because there was... Strength of mind and body uh, and, and will that was exerted to make sure. I mean, as we started getting up there and actually looking at this thing, it was just like, this isn't going to happen. Lord, you're going to have to do something very special. And all of a sudden, it just went right together. You see, we've got to endeavor. Here's what our endeavor is is keeping the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Now, you'll notice in your King James Bible that Spirit is capitalized. Here's what it simply means. If the Holy Spirit is directing me as your pastor, and He is directing you as a member of this church, uh, we are going to have a unity of purpose and activity cannot be helped. The Holy Spirit is not going to lead one person in this direction and another person in this direction contrary to one another and bring disunity in the body of Christ, which is the local assembly of believers. And again, this is a very powerful argument, if you would let it stand as such, as to why there cannot be a universal, invisible church that stretches out all over the world because there is no way we cannot get that unity of action in our own church, let alone uh, church, 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 all over the world, all at the same time, not speaking the same language. Uh, that would be impossible. You see, what we are trying to do here is we are trying to remove hindrances from the Holy Spirit working through our church... And see, the Holy Spirit just doesn't show up and say, Ooh, I want a big missions offering. Poof, there it is. No, that's fantasy land. You know what the Holy Spirit has to do? He has to move in each individual heart of each individual member. And each individual member does what the Holy Spirit directs them to. And then we add it together and we stand there and go, Ain't God great? 
You see, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit. Now it says, in the bond of peace. Peace is a wonderful thing. It's a gift from God. It's something the whole world wishes they had. Peace in your heart. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. That's peace. Do you know, we live in a city that despises everything that goes on in this church. Have you ever stopped and thought about that? Our governor believes that we should not vote in elections and that we should have no say in anything that happens in New York State because we disagree with him. That's hatred, my friend. Pure, simple, unabashed. He he rather corrected himself a little bit, but the message was very clear. You have no right to disagree with me. Well... Excuse me. You have no right to disagree with God. Now, you're welcome to exercise it. God's not going to stop you. But you're the one that's going to suffer. And we, we need to understand there is a unity. There is a, a bond of peace that the Holy Spirit gives us when I'm obedient. There's a confidence People often laugh at me when I try to explain my demeanor, the way I behaved when I was in high school and in college even. Uh, I was shy. I was scared to get in front of people and say, not you. Yes, yes, me. That's where I was. Uh, I I just did not like even, uh, I would work and work and work. I mean, I couldn't tell you how many hours I would put into learning a piece on my saxophone and when it came to performing in the competition, my hands were shaking so badly that I couldn't hardly hold the horn. Um, But I I think you'd have a problem believing that about me now. I get some smiles. There we go, yes. Uh, uh, My eldest son, Peter, says, I have the art of intimidation. Uh, and uh, that's only because he didn't want to do what I wanted him to do. And yes, I will be intimidating when that happens. You know why? Because I have a confidence that what I'm doing is directed by the Holy Spirit of God and that we need to get together and walk together as one in the bond of peace so that the Holy Spirit's work will not be hindered in our church. This is walking worthy of that vocation. God has a calling. He has things He wants to get done through our church. And I'll tell you something. I can't make you walk worthy. I I learned a long time ago. I I can give a little bit of push. But there's only so much I can do. If you do not willingly follow the right path, I I want you to know, you're hindering the work that's going on that God wants to do through our church. Ladies, I appreciate so much those that work in the nursery. It would be hard to have a service if all of those little screaming kids were out here. It would be not impossible 
But it, it would be very difficult. Listen. Here's what Paul said. I, therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that ye walk worthy of the vocation wherewith ye are called, with all lowliness and meekness, with longsuffering, forbearing one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. You see, there's a proper attitude of walking uh, worthy of that vocation. There, there's a proper reason for walking in that direction. There's a goal in mind. And that goal is to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. And, and that whole context of this thing, and that's where we're going to start in a couple of weeks when we get back on our regular schedule here, is verses 4 through 6. There's one body, one Spirit, one calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God. Does it sound like Paul is kind of emphatic about that number one, there only being a singular God, a singular calling, a singular faith, a singular body, a singular baptism? You see... God has made it simple for us to walk worthy of that vocation. We've got to get our minds and our hearts headed in the right direction. Amen? We've got to understand that there is a Spirit that is working, the Holy Spirit of God. And there's no conflict in God. God doesn't conflict Himself. And that he wants us to have that unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. Let's have every head bowed, every eye closed. How many of you would just say, Pastor, I, I want to pray with you about that unity of the spirit and the bond of peace in our church. I'm going to pray with you about that. I'm, I'm going to ask you to work in. My, I'm going to ask God to work in my heart. I saw many hands going up. Anyone else before we pray? Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we come before you, and Lord, you saw each hand that was raised and each hand that was not. Lord, we need you to work in our midst and in our church. Lord, we need you to fashion in our hearts and minds that attitude and understanding of all lowliness and meekness. Lord, of long-suffering and forbearing one another in love. Lord, that our effort might be directed to keeping that unity of the Holy Spirit of God in the bond of peace. Lord, we've had many struggles here and Lord, we understand that that is just part of life, part of human nature. But Lord, we ask that the Holy Spirit would have freedom to work in each heart and life here. And if there be one that is just resistant to being submitting to the Holy Spirit of God, that they would see and understand exactly what they're doing. And Lord, that you would break their hearts 
so that we might walk together as we should, so that we would remove these hindrances of the Holy Spirit of God working. Lord, I pray for our church and each one in it, that we'd be able to open our eyes and see that special place of service that you have called us to, that vocation that you have prepared our lives that we may serve together in the body, which is the local church. We ask that you would answer Paul's prayer for the Ephesian church right here at Open Door Bible Baptist, that we would be strengthened in the inner man, that we would understand and comprehend the love of God, and that you would be the one doing the work so that you could receive glory in your church forever. Lord, we're thankful this church is not ours in that sense. We, we've simply joined your church. And you have given us the privilege of serving you as a complete body right here in Astoria. Lord, we pray that you would continue that work and that you would bless our church as we try to move forward for the cause of missions and for, Lord, just the uh, daily service and supporting these other new and weaker churches in our little fellowship here that very soon we would be able to uh, write the churches that are supporting the different men and say that support is no longer necessary. And so, Lord, we come to you and we just ask that you would do what only you can do. In Jesus' name we pray. And before we...